So we're going to uh, still be in 1 Samuel this morning, but um, I'm going to go a little bit different direction. Um, I want to start in Hebrews 3. So the story of 1 Samuel 3, uh, the early chapters of 1 Samuel uh, tell us the story of Samuel himself and uh, of Saul. And then the latter chapters of 1 Samuel, we get introduced to David. Um, and so 1 Samuel 3 is a story that uh, many of you have heard of uh, God speaking to Samuel and uh, Samuel thinking it was Eli. Um, and so this morning, I, I want to think a little bit about what does it mean to listen uh, if God is speaking to us. And in Hebrews 3, uh, the author of Hebrews is quoting from the Psalms, and over and over again, uh, the author quotes this. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the times of testing in the wilderness. Further down in uh, chapter 3, verse 12, says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. That, uh, I was struck by this idea so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I think uh, when we read that, we think about our own sin, the things we're culpable for, uh, and we, we need to do inventory and uh, recognize our own brokenness, our own sinful patterns, our own addictions, and uh, not be hardened by those things. But in, in light of this shooting, I think one way that we become hardened uh, and, and that we can be deceived so much that we become hardened is just to say, well, it, it's another shooting, and just accept it. And to accept the evil that happens in the world because it's just the way it is. Uh, and God invites us to not just accept it, but to enter into the grief, pain, and mourning of such a devastating event. Uh, I, th I think it's so easy to just, the news, all, everything on the news, to just be like, well, that's just the way it is, and we become hardened to these things, rather than weep and mourn and longfully pray for a new day, uh, for redemption to come in its fullness. The story in 1 Samuel 3, uh, I want to look a little more in detail to Samuel and this encounter with God in the tabernacle and, and hearing his voice. But I first want to address uh, what God tells Samuel, because it's not an easy message. We, we think about this story, and it's kind of like a Sunday school story, and, oh, God, God spoke to this little boy. Well, what he said to this little boy wasn't such a great thing. It was a, about the downfall of Eli's house and Hophni and Phinehas, and the evil that they had been doing, uh, and that God won't stand for this kind of evil. 
in the world. And, and so 1 Samuel 3, in many ways, is about God doing something new in and through Samuel, that uh, Eli's house and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, have so abused their power that God says it's time for a new priest to come and do something new in my house. Uh, and if I can have uh, the next slide after this one. God says, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. That sounds like such a harsh word, doesn't it? It'll never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. See, this is what uh, Hophni and Phinehas did. (laughs) They presented sacrifices to God uh, on behalf of the people, but they were stealing those sacrifices, and they were abusing their power, and they were taking it. And God says, there is nothing, you can't offer any sacrifices anymore that are going to atone for this evil that you have done. In Hosea, next slide, says, uh, God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. It's not some type of sacrifice on an altar that's going to uh, atone sins. Uh, God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And that mercy is most fully displayed in and through Jesus, who is our ultimate sacrifice. Uh, There is no sacrifice that Hophni and Phinehas could give that would atone for their sin. Uh, the, The only thing that atones for sin is the death of Jesus on the cross. Uh, The only thing uh, that gives us hope, that this world can be reconciled, that this world can be made right, that there is hope for a new day, is the death of Jesus on the cross. Uh, Don't let your hearts be hardened. Uh, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Uh, God says to Eli that your time's over. Hophni and Phinehas, they, they have to go. Uh, and I'm raising up someone new who will lead my people. Because, because Hophni and Phinehas, they had hardened their hearts. They had hardened their hearts. I think when we see evil in the world, there's something in us that says... This, this is so deeply wrong. I was struck this past week. Most of you have probably seen the news about uh, this Stanford student who was convicted of three felonies for sexual assault on an unconscious girl. And the judge gave him six months in the county jail. And there has been a public outcry about this, because something within people says this is not right. The, the gal who he raped wrote a 12-page letter, most of it addressed directly to him. Uh, I read the whole thing. I would challenge you to read the whole thing, because it is brutally honest, it is so raw, It's so hard to read, and yet so needed. You should really read the whole thing. It's an unbelievable, honest 
letter. And when we see something like this in, in this young man who, who uh, to this point, has said that the only thing he did wrong was he drank too much. Something in us says this is not right. This isn't right. God says this is not right. And when he sees the evil that Hophni and Phinehas are doing, he says it's not right. And their time is over. And I'm bringing Samuel into a place of leadership. In this story, 1 Samuel 3, says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. This is uh, the biblical author's way of giving a little foreshadowing that there's going to be a word from the Lord now. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And so the author here is using imagery. Uh, Eli's eyes have become weak. His time is passing. But the lamp of God has not yet gone out. There is still light. And it's going to come in a new way. Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. I, I find these details just so beautifully fascinating. Uh, Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle, in the house of God, where the ark was. And so for the Jewish people, they have always viewed uh, the tabernacle and then later the temple when it was built as this place where heaven and earth meet, where God's presence is right there. And so here's Samuel sleeping, in many ways, in the presence of God, in the house of God where the ark was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. And so somehow to Samuel, the Lord's voice here sounds like the voice of Eli. And so he thinks that Eli is calling him. So he runs to Eli, and Eli says, I didn't call you. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now, I know what it's like to get woken up in the middle of the night by a child. (laughs) I know what it's like to get woken up multiple times in the middle of the night by multiple children. So, I don't know what Eli's thinking, but I I think he might be a little ornery at this point. Second time, Samuel wakes him up. Listen, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, 
for your servant is listening. Now, I, I find it interesting that uh, it appears that Samuel uh, would not hear from the Lord apart from Eli's direction. And that even though Eli is on his way out, and even though God is going to have a word for Eli that his time is finished, it is Eli that God uses to tell Samuel, the Lord's calling you. Next time you hear his voice say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel needed Eli's instruction. Samuel needed Eli's guidance. Uh, Eli has become, in many ways, Samuel's father figure. And even though Hophni and Phinehas have gone far, far astray, Samuel is being raised to walk with the Lord. And Eli says, next time he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so God is doing a new thing in and through Samuel. And he chooses a boy to speak to. And he chooses this boy who he's going to raise up. And, and what the author is showing us here is not only is Samuel being raised in the house of a priest and will become a priest, Samuel is not only becoming a priest, Samuel is becoming a prophet. He is becoming one who will speak the words of God to the people on behalf of the God who he serves. Now, Samuel heard God's voice in the house of God, the tabernacle, where the ark was. All through the scriptures, we see this movement of God's presence and where God's presence is. And so God's presence was known to be in the tabernacle, and then later when the temple was built, God's presence was known to be in the temple. That's where God spoke. So where does God speak today? Where do you hear God's voice? Notice this text from 1 Corinthians do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. The movement of the biblical story shows us that God came in Jesus, who and the, the literal word in the Gospel of John about Jesus is tabernacled among them. Jesus was the living tabernacle. Jesus was the living presence of God. And after Jesus' death and resurrection, he ascended back to the Father. But he said, also in the Gospel of John, I will not leave you as orphans. I will send an advocate the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit has come, and we all are temples. We all carry the divine presence of God's Holy Spirit within us. 
Now, I believe God speaks in different ways. Uh, theologians talk about divine revelation and natural revelation, that God reveals himself through the natural world, and we live in one of the most beautiful places in the world, and we all know God speaks of his glory through the natural world all around us. Uh, God speaks through the scriptures to us. Uh, I want to say that God also speaks through you to one another. You have the Holy Spirit within you. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. What does it look like to discern the voice of the Spirit within you? What does it look like to listen to what God is saying? When God brings someone to mind, what, what does it look like to maybe call them up and encourage them? When God brings someone to your mind, what does it look like to stop what you're doing and simply ask God, what what do you have to say to me about that person? How can I be of encouragement to that person? In what way, God, are you speaking to me right now? And what are you calling me to do? What would it look like if we built into our busy schedules just five minutes every hour to stop? Okay, that might be too much to ask. How about one minute? One minute every hour, your phone goes ding, and you stop for 60 seconds. And you just say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Before you go into that meeting, before you have that phone call, before you send that email, what does it look like? to just stop and acknowledge this body that you have is God's temple. That God's Holy Spirit is inside you. And to say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. What does it look like to stop And just breathe and listen. And to pay attention to your breath, to recognize that the very breath you have is the life-giving spirit of God. The word spirit and breath are the same word in both Hebrew and Greek. Every time you breathe, God's breath, the life-giving spirit, presence of the Spirit of God moving through you. Just stop during your busy day and say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. We, we live with so many distractions in our day and age. Uh, there's a group of us uh, that meet uh, on a regular basis uh, to talk about Sundays and um, 
the music and the sermons, and we were talking about 1 Samuel 3, and I, I simply said, uh, what, what would have uh, happened if Samuel was distracted by a screen? Would Samuel have heard God's voice if he had an iPad? Now, God will speak through anything. Uh, and I, I believe that uh, when we engage in different activities like watching movies or television or whatever, uh, that those two are opportunities for us to say, speak, Lord. Otherwise, we shouldn't engage in them, right? If we're not wanting everything we do to be an act of worship. And so, next time you sit down to watch a show, what would it look like before you start watching it to just stop and say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening and see what God might have to say to you. In Hebrews 10, starting in verse 11, it says, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. And so the author of Hebrews is, is pointing back to how the, the, the whole priestly system worked. And day after day, priests offered sacrifices. Day after day. And authors of Hebrews say they keep doing this and it can never, it can never take away sins. But when this priest, referring to Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So the author of Hebrews is painting this beautiful picture. If you can just imagine a temple where priests are offering sacrifices, he says, day after day, they offer the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. They never rest. There's no rest. It's just constantly, day after day, offering sacrifices, offering sacrifices. They don't sit down because they just keep offering sacrifices. But this priest after he offered one sacrifice, he sat down. He sat down. It's finished. It's finished. These are, these are the same words Jesus said on the cross. It is finished. There's nothing you can do to earn God's favor. There's nothing you can do to cover over your own brokenness. There's nothing you can do to get God to love you more. You're already loved. It's already covered. It's already finished. The invitation now is simply today, if you hear God's voice, don't let your heart be hardened. Live into the redemption you already have. Um, 
One of my favorite authors is a guy named Wendell Berry. He's a farmer in Kentucky. He's uh, written poetry, novels, essays. Uh, he has a poem uh, that the last line of the poem is just two words. Practice resurrection. Your redemption is already complete. The work of the cross is already finished. Uh, What does it look like to simply listen to God's voice for you today and what it looks like to practice resurrection? Practice now what is coming in the future. So Jesus sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. We don't often... What if you walked up to people and said, Hi, I'm Matt, I'm perfect, and I'm being made holy. (laughs) Sound pretty arrogant, wouldn't it? But... That's how God views you. Because of what Jesus has already done. We're created in the image of God. We are temples that possess the very Holy Spirit of God within us. Those he has made perfect forever. And those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, This is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer Necessary. It's finished. It's finished. What is it in your life that haunts you, that you think is unredeemable, that you think you, you have to just keep paying the price for, that you have to somehow uh, win God's love or favor back? Uh, you can't. You can't. You already have it. It's finished. And so the simple invitation for us is to wake up to who we already are. To to wake up to the fact that we are temples. The Holy Spirit lives in us and through us. And to take moments each day and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. When we partake of the bread and the cup, we do it to remember what Jesus did for us by making us holy, by making us temples, by giving us this gift of his death and the power of his resurrection. 
the Christian life is about Jesus. It's about walking in the way of Jesus. And it is death. And it is life. We don't just get resurrection. We also walk the way of suffering and the way of death. And Jesus showed us how to suffer. He doesn't explain it. He doesn't come up with some theory on why they're suffering. He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't sweep it under the rug. Uh, he, he shows us how to suffer. And he shows us how to die. And he also shows us how to live and how to experience the abundant life that is freely available to us each and every day. It was on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup. He says, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Take it and drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And we live with that hope. The knowledge that Jesus will come back and make the world right again. That all the evil, all the brokenness, all the heartache in this world, Jesus is coming back. And we will see the fullness of his redemption, what has already been accomplished on the cross. This morning, as you take this bread and dip it in the cup, uh, I'd invite you, as you come, to say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. What, what word might God have for you today? And to recognize that it takes a community, that if God has a word for you, it's not for you alone. <laughs> It's for the benefit of the body of Christ. Maybe today God has a word of encouragement. He wants to speak through you to someone else who just needs to hear some encouragement this morning. Maybe this morning, when you say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, maybe what you need to hear most is you're forgiven. It's finished. It's finished. Maybe what you need to hear from God is that you are loved. You are accepted just the way you are. And it is finished. So this morning, I invite you to ask God those words. What, what do you have for me this morning? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. God, we want to be your people who listen. 
We want to wake up to who we already are in Christ. I pray that you would reveal to us more and more the gift of your very spirit who is within us. That we would handle that responsibility well. That we would listen well. That we would pay attention. That we would recognize we are not our own. We were bought at a price. So God, we offer ourselves freely and fully to you. Asking you by your spirit to flow through us. As a gift to others. A gift to the world. In the name of Jesus. Amen. As you go this morning, may you know the love of God that pours over you. May you know the very presence of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. May you know that you are a temple of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit. May you live into all God has created you for. And may you regularly stop and say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. May the grace and peace of Christ be yours in abundance. Amen.